you so much. Whoa. Man, it's good to see you all. It's great to be here. Um, this is one of my favorite places because of relationship and family. And, um, you know, as I've been walking with Papa Don, I've gained like an inheritance of relationships. And, you know, my Texan relationships through meeting, you know, Keith and Abilene years ago and then just when he came and working out with Keith and being with families and being together in each other's homes. And um, I just am blessed to be here. I do think it's relevant. I so appreciate the worship. Do you guys, is that awesome, those songs? I mean, there's no fear. And, and just declaring who Jesus is. And I was reflecting as I was praying during the worship. It was just so encouraging. And I, I thought of that verse of, you know, perfect love drives out fear. And how media has stirred up. I think they found the secret to keep people to keep watching news is fear. Fear motivates. And it also is kind of addictive. Let's see tomorrow. Like my wife's watching how many more got the virus today and tomorrow. And, you know, there's a little in map. And, but you, when you talk to it, like I went to the doctor's office. Unfortunately, my son needed to go in and had strep throat and flu. Isn't that wonderful? So I'm not contagious. Don't worry. <laughs> but, you know, the doctors were downplaying coronavirus. They're laughing about it, just how the hysteria is built up. And, and then we went to get the to the pharmacist to get like some little moxicillin for my son. And, and they were saying, I kind of made a joke. I was just like, hey, you guys getting some wild things about coronavirus? And everyone in the office was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And they kind of let their guard down. And then the pharmacist said, you wouldn't believe I got a call yesterday if we sold hazmat suits. <laughs> they all started laughing. It's like, like nuclear fallout is the, you know, somebody's like, I got to cover every inch of my body and wear a gas mask. And, and they said, you know, it's just, it's like the regular flu. And it, it's only contagious for a couple days. And, you know, they were just saying this is driven, although I think it's wise for us to wash our hands and, you know, yeah. You see the CDC, you think like their reports is going to be this like crazy thing that we need to do. And they, all they say is wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your It's like, okay, thanks, mom. <laughs> I will remember. Um, but at the same time, we do pray for those that are, I mean, it's affecting me. Um, I have a meeting. I was supposed to go to Israel this next Sunday, and there's this huge leadership meetings that all got canceled. So many things are getting canceled. Anybody else affected by this that, with your business, your work? Um, it, it, so it is affecting the earth. And I got a note this morning from one of my friends in Israel. He said he got a note from one of these leaders that were supposed to come from China, from the underground church, a guy named Sonny. And he wrote, gosh, I... He wrote this whole thing. He said he believes God is using this to shake up the earth, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and that which cannot be shaken will remain. And he said it's a reset, that all these people are having to stay at home. He said 50 million Chinese have been ordered to stay at home. 50 million. And he said, you know what it's causing in the underground church is we're, it's skyrocketing all these uh, Zoom meetings and these online meetings with each other all over China, all the networks are starting to do online. 
because they're all stuck at home. And then they're reaching out and doing these online things around the earth and having these crazy cool online impartations from leaders. And he said, and the greatest thing is it costs no money. <laughs> they never even thought of this, but they're being forced to be more online with all their networking and all their conferencing and everything. So the Lord's doing something through all this. And I really believe it's going to be a reset. You know, in nine months from now, it's most likely not going to be in the news at all. But we need to keep strong in our walk with Jesus. So I love this advice, you know, in, in different sporting teams. But the best defense a lot of times is offense. And I believe that's the same in the kingdom of God. The best way to protect ourselves from all the fear, and there may be more pandemic things, more than coronavirus, coming. We know if you read you know, Matthew 24 that the, there's going to be an increase of wars and famines and disease, and it's going to increase. So I don't want to be discouraging, but the reality is we need to get a good game plan to navigate what is our offense? When darkness comes, we don't need to analyze darkness and figure out darkness. We need to walk in the light and know how to shine the light, how to keep our light bright and burning strong in the midst of increasing darkness. And we know that every tribe, tongue, language, nation, people are going to be worshiping Jesus. And there's a billion that don't even know. Jesus. So God's going to use us to go all over the earth and even to Walmart and to the library and to Kroger. He's going to use us. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, a friend of mine, one of the pastors downtown, Mark Lancaster's, you know, said he wrote this little note, texted me, said, um, I, the night the tornado touched down in Germantown in East Nashville, both of these locations were two miles from our church. You know, I live three streets away from there. There was no damage in our neighborhood for the church, except the fact the church sign blew off our church that night. The sign just blew off and was on the ground. So the next day, we had all those churches. They came to his church, the parking lot. People gathered together, and I made sure we did not put the sign back up. I believe it was a prophetic picture of coming together in unity. I got up and shared about that from the front as the people were gathered. I introduced local pastors, meets nationally, lists a bunch of pastors, and they were all coming together in oneness as one voice. That was nameless and faceless and all about Jesus. Then Mike from Crisis Response International got up to start sharing. He took off his CRI jacket, took off his badge, took off his lanyard, and said, I don't need to wear this. We are all one. This isn't about CRI. This is about the body of Christ. That's what I'm seeing. More and more people are saying, we need to be together. When there's any kind of crisis, that's what it does. It brings us together. So that's a real beautiful thing God's doing. It's beautiful. I was in Australia January, right when the fires were raging. And Again, it just brought the body together. So let's, let's just stand together. The biggest thing that the enemy wants us to do is feel isolated and alone. So none of that is the message that I wanted to share, but I just feel 
it's important to, to begin just speaking life. And the message that I want to share is walking intimately with Jesus. And I believe this is the offense. This is the master plan of how we can thrive in the midst of crisis, in the midst of storms, in the midst of fear. This is the key to success. I'm convinced that if we wake up every morning and say, God, here I am, and we're available, he's going to work his plan through our lives. But we have a choice whether or not we're going to thrive in life, whether or not we're going to really have abundant life or not. We have a choice. And, and it's, it's not complicated. So I just want to share a few simple things this morning that I believe will really empower you in your intimacy and walking with Jesus. Um, the whole concept of walking with God is something that I got um, when I was just listening to cassette tapes. Some of you need to Google that, what that is. But I was listening to the Bible and cassette, and it came across, I was listening to, the, to the, all the genealogies in Genesis, and Genesis 5, I'm doing the dishes, listening. And all of a sudden it says, and Enoch was 65, and he walked with God for 300 years, and then he was no more. And I was like, what was that? Because it just gave genealogy and genealogy. And it goes on. He had his son Methuselah. And, da, 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 and I rewind it, rewind it. Like he walked with God. And that just penetrated my soul. And ever since that time, I've wanted to walk with God. And you know what? It's not complicated. I was just thinking about this this morning. It's not like shooting baskets, or scoring touchdowns, or surfing a wave, or it's not doing something complicated. It's just walk with God. So we all know how to walk, and I don't judge you. I don't, how many of you go around and you're looking at people, gosh, they walk good, they don't walk very good. They, man, I like their walk. I like, like we don't really care, do we? We're like, everyone just walks. It's not a competitive sport. It's not a success or fail, right? You will not fail at walking with God. Just get up and start walking with him. It's not complicated. You don't need to go to school for it. And you're not going to be judged by how good you do it. You either do it or you don't. There's no bar. There's no like, well, I'm getting better at walking with God. No, I, either I just get up and walk with him or I don't. So I just want to encourage you. Um, and we have scriptures here in Hebrews chapter 11. Explains how Enoch walked with God. And we'll start in verse 5. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Let's just pause there. That means they were looking for him. <laughs> God took Enoch. He didn't know God was going to take him. It says he couldn't be found. That means they're all searching. Where is dad? I don't know. He's walking with God again. And they probably looked everywhere they could imagine. He was taken away. But this is the key. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Gosh, I just want to be one who pleases God. 
You know, the opposite of fear of man is fear of the Lord. Fear of man is wanting to please man. Why don't we just want to please God? I look, that's a better definition of fear of God is I just want to please him more than anyone else. That's one key of how to walk with God is you want to please him. You want to, you want to know what pleases him. You know, that's why I work with Israel. Because I was reading the Bible one day and saw that God loved Israel. And he still does. And it really pleases him for Jewish people to get saved. They're Jesus' physical relatives. That's why I have this heart and why I reach Jewish people. Because it brings pleasure to my father. I'm not a big Israel guy. I'm a big God guy. And I just want to do what pleases him. Why do I love worship so much? Because it pleases him. He was known as one who pleased God. And then this is the key of walking with God. There's two points in verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith, remember, in faith is believing what's unseen, being sure of what's hoped for. That's 11.1. But this is the two things. Anyone who comes to him must, one, believe that he exists. And number two, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith and walking with God, Enoch walked with God, meant he had faith. What did that look like practically? Number one, he practiced the presence of God. He believed God was always there, that he exists, that he was always with him. So how do you walk with God? You wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, good morning. <laughs> Father, thank you for your love today. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Let's, let's go. It's that simple. You acknowledge God is with you constantly. It's not complicated. You don't have to talk to him all day. You just acknowledge he's always with you. And when something happens, your first thing is, Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, because you're just, you're walking with God. It's not super complicated. The second thing, you believe that he rewards you for diligently seeking him. So let me take that that thought a little further, that means you expect to be blessed. You actually have this sonship, confidence, son and daughter attitude where you're not an orphan thinking, did I do enough work for you today? Did I do my chores? Did I, did I do everything? Did I, pre did I share everything? You're a son and daughter that just goes, I'm walking with my dad. He loves me so much. He's so, always wanting to bless me. And I wonder how he wants to bless me today. I wonder how he wants to bless someone else today through me. If you have that attitude that he's going to reward you because you're with him and you're seeking him, you're going to walk in crazy favor. That's how you walk with God. And he might say, Todd, prove it. I don't like that whole idea of, you know, you don't seek God so you can be blessed. Well, read what it says. He rewards those who diligently seek him. So I was pondering this going, okay, let's look at Enoch. If Enoch really wanted to be blessed, what do you think he would ask for? If God was saying, I'm going to bless you. You've been walking with me 300 years. And as a dad, I thought, I would ask for my kids to be blessed. Any other dads can relate. Like more than I want a bunch of money or I want a bunch of whatever. 
And so I was thinking, okay, is there any evidence that his kids were blessed? You know, we only have a record of his firstborn son. So I'm sure he was praying for his son. God, give him life, give him favor, give him blessing. Well, guess what? Who was his son? Methuselah. Methuselah lived the longest of anyone recorded in world history. Do you think that was blessed? God, give my son life. Give him faith. Protect him. Don't let him get hurt. Don't let him get sick. God's like, all right. How about 969 years there? Is that awesome? <laughs> he wants to reward us. Too many times we're almost too polite and just saying, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. But it's just like me and my son. I wanted to buy Micah, my son, a bicycle when he was young. You know, and we were missionaries in Hawaii, and we didn't have a lot of things. And we got here, and we we're trying to, and I just, all the bikes at the store were like the same price, within 10 bucks. But they're one gray one, one green one, one black one. And I still remember, they all had different styles. They looked different. And I told Micah to, you know, like, okay, I'm going to buy you any one of these. Which one do you want? He was like, no, Dad, no, you tell me which one. You pick it out. I was like, no, no, I don't want, I mean, I, I like them all. You know, you, whatever you want. It's like, no, 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 dad, dad, no. And I remember feeling this frustration as a dad that I just want him to choose what he wants. And too many times we're like, you know what, God, whatever you say, whatever you say, just give me, you know. When he wants us to be sons and daughters saying, I want the green one with the streamers, and it looks cool. You know, instead of just, oh, whatever you want, God, whatever. He wants to bless us. He's a good dad. So this whole part of walking with God, I really felt in my own life, um, I wish you wouldn't have said it. I don't need to be authentic this morning. But no, there, there's something I want to share with you that's really personal related to this. And it's about my heart. And, and I believe it's about all of our hearts. And so there's a parable Jesus gave about the heart. I'm just going to look through it real quick. And I want to highlight what it's been speaking to me. In Luke 8, verse 4 to 15, we'll just kind of read through this. It's a lot of verses. But it says, while a large cloud was gathering, people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded crop a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Verse 11, this is, he starts interpreting it. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Let me just pause there for a second. We all know so much truth. I almost feel like Paul in Philippians where he says, I wish I could just live up to the measure I've already attained of knowledge, of uh, uh, revelation. 
I don't think we need a lot more knowledge. The seed is the word of God. A lot of us have a lot of seeds that have been planted in our lives. A lot of truths. We know a lot. Would you agree? Even just love your neighbor. Love God. Like those little truths, they're seeds. But do you know what gives power for a tree to grow? What gives power for a tree to grow? What empowers the tree, uh, you know, a seed to grow into a tree? It's not the soil. It's not the water. It's not the sun. Those contribute, but the power of growth is in the seed. When you have the word of God in you, the promises of God in you, you have enough power in you for transformation. The actual promise, the word of God has the power for transformation. Doesn't matter how awesome and strong you are, you just need the truth in you to take over you. You need to allow it to just cultivate in you and it will transform you. You don't have to transform yourself. You need to steward the revelation, the truth, and meditate on it and allow the truth of God to just grow up in you. So this is where, let's keep going. Along the path are ones who hear. The devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts. They may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. They have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by life's worries and pleasures and riches, and they don't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble, good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. The soil is our hearts. And I realized the beginning of this year, we did this fast for Awaken Nashville. And, you know, when I was praying about what to fast and, and okay, God, I'm going to do food. And I knew I was going on a trip right away to Australia and different things. And the Lord just said, why don't you fast social media? I'm like, oh, I've done that before, you know. And no, no, hey, why don't you really go for it? And just, just text your assistant any words or pictures or anything, but you never look at it. Because I found... And I didn't think I had a problem with this, but I knew that I really connected to the world. A lot of my friends around the world in different spheres and different relationships I have by watching what was going on and I'd encourage them or I'd notice something and I was keeping up with my news based on social media. <laughs> like I'd find out people are posting things. Like, Whoa, I never knew that was going on. I never knew that. So it was like a quick way to, I don't have to sit and watch the news. I don't have to do this. I, like social media is just, I didn't realize how much it was a part of my life, but this is what happened. When I went, started doing that, my heart started feeling like it had a lot more capacity for attention with two others around me. I didn't realize how much my heart was connected to social media. And when you know about the dopamine, you know, it gives us stimulation and but our hearts can get so drawn by that. And then the Lord also said, would I be willing to um, give my phone to my wife at 8 o'clock every night? Now, I'm sorry, husbands, if this is no pressure. <laughs> 
But I have to admit, I, it was, for me, it was super hard. But I noticed I would sometimes, after the kids are in bed and after everything's done, I would just like zone. It's like my turn to check out what's going on in the world. And, you know, and, and next thing I know, it's 11, 12 at night. And I'm, oh, I gotta get it, you know. I started going to bed earlier with my wife. <laughs> I started reading more. But something, this is the key though, something happened in my heart. I realized my heart, there's parts of my heart that were getting so stimulated by other things that there was a shallowness in my heart. Like I get super stoked about God and then, but I get super distracted the next moment. Is this making sense? Uh, the, the area of like, when I was praying about this, this parable, there's parts of my heart that have felt like it's just been walked on and gotten dry. And where the enemy can just steal it like seeds on the ground. And then other parts, where there's those weeds and the cares and the concerns and the distractions choking. So my heart was a picture of all four of those things. And I just want to encourage you God wants our hearts to be really tender. And it's not so much, I don't think we all have these evil hearts that want to be rebellious and run from God, but I think we inadvertently allow things to cause our hearts to be shallow, allow our hearts to get a little hardened, allow our hearts to get distracted and consumed by other cares and concerns. And then we miss the power, the potency of the seed consuming us. So it's not so much you need more faith, you need to be a better Christian. I would submit you may need less distractions because the power is in the seed. You just need to clear the distractions and the natural course of seeds in soil is they grow. And they transform and they get big and strong and bear lots of fruit. So I hope this is encouraging you. But this is how you're going to thrive in these days. Uh, the second point um, in this process, Matthew 25, I won't read the whole uh, parable, but it's a parable of the wise and unwise virgins. And, you know, verse 1, Matthew 25, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins, took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. We know that the story, you have the wise ones bought oil that they brought with them. The foolish ones just had enough oil in their lamp to burn for the moment. They had enough for the moment. They had not. And then verse 9 is kind of the, the, the main point. It says to, you know, the virgins of verse 8 said, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The foolish ones said to the wise. Verse 9, no, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us instead. Go to those who sell oil and you buy some for yourselves. So to have the capacity, the intimacy, the oil of intimacy, you can't get it from anyone else. You have to pay the price yourself. And that's walking with Jesus. We cannot borrow each other's walk. Can't say just, hey, Keith, pray for me, man. I need to be intimate with Jesus. Well, hallelujah, he should pray for you. But the way you're intimate with Jesus is you pay the price yourself. He can't give you what he's cultivated. And this is, 
This is how we get our hearts soft. It was, we have to count the costs and pay the price. It's hurt me to not be on social media. It hurts. And I feel like I've missed out on things. And I'm sure some of my friends are like, wow, I'm surprised Todd didn't comment on that. Well, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and even like not enjoying, not like giving myself a break today. You know, that's the, that's the lie. We deserve a break today. It sells a lot of products. But it's not true. We, this is not my home. And I'd rather live a fasted lifestyle here and walk in God's power than enjoy the full benefits of whatever my flesh wants and you know, squeak into heaven. That's my home. And you know what's the fruit of this is, is been in my marriage. My wife said, Todd, I have not felt this pursued by you since when we were dating. I'm like, what? I didn't read any books on relationship. I didn't pray that God would please bless my marriage. All I did was get some weeds out of my heart. And then what's really in my heart, my love for my wife just was, I was free. Like the fruit, the seeds of the word are taking over my life. And my marriage is the best it's been. She says that. I mean, always, whatever the wife says is really what's true. <laughs> I learned that a long time ago. I always thought we we're doing awesome. And then, yeah, this one, <laughs> this one marriage book, we, first marriage class we did, it had like, guys, everyone rate your marriage, the husband and wife. And it was, it was like four other couples. And, and we all did. And then it said, okay, uh, show your answers. And it was crazy. All the guys were like seven, eight out of 10, you know. Nine, nobody was like below a six. The, the, and these are young married. And the, the women in the group were all like four, five, three. You know, and then we turn the next page and it says, the answers are most likely different with the guys and the girls, the husbands and the wives. What the wives say is what's true. <laughs> that was the third, we're like, oh, okay. So I learned that a long time ago. Um, well, I'm going to, I want to just share a quick testimony. I, it was funny. I woke up this morning. I looked at an old iPad that I use like from weddings. This old iPad barely runs. But it popped, and on the front of it had this testimony. I've never shared this testimony publicly. But it was, I caught my eye. It said Abilene at the top. I'm like, wait, I'm going to speak, and Keith's from Abilene. This is, so I started reading it. And I was, all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, I forgot all about this. I went to Abilene earlier this summer, this last year in summer. And, and I was flying in, and it was one of those really early morning flights to Dallas and then to Abilene. You're in a teeny little plane. And, and I had to get a rental car. And it's weird. Like, Abilene has this rental car place like four miles, it seemed like. Maybe it's only a couple miles away from the airport. And the same person at the desk, you know, that I'm calling, hey, no one's here, they're the person that, like, they're the shuttle driver and the person at the desk. Like, it's just small time. And so I land, and they're like, I call, and they're like, oh, sorry, you know. And so this lady drives out. She was the one I was talking to on the phone. I was shocked. Well, it's the same voice, the lady that's driving the shuttle. And she picks me up, and she seems a little frazzled, and she's not real talking to me. And I'm tired, and I'm just like, 
I know that I, I got up super early, like four in the morning here, and I'm not, I'm just thinking, just get me my car. I'm going to go take a nap, and then I'm going to meet with some people. And we're driving into the little place, and she touts it too tight, and she scrapes her van, the shuttle van. I'm like, who is this? They just wrecked their own van. <laughs> And I'm just thinking, oh, and then all of a sudden, this 10-year-old kid pops up in the back, like, scared. I'm like, there's a kid laying in the back row of this van. And, I'm, and, it's, and I get out, and I kind of realize after, like, it's her son. She took her son to work, and I'm thinking, this is so, like, backwoods Texas. Like, you know, I don't know, Abilene, you know, bless you. <laughs> but I go into the, the office, and... And, it's, and then she gets behind the desk, and he sits back on this little chair in the back. And I can tell he's been sitting there all day, or the first part of the day. But she mentioned, you know, he was, um, she didn't have any babysitters, and he was out of school. And so I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. And I keep, and the card or whatever it didn't, the reservation kept getting glitched. And she's like, well, I don't know. It'll be online in a second. It'll be online. She's calling her boss. And I'm just starting to get that traveler frustration. Like, you know what? I travel around the world. I'm, this is so inefficient. You know, I'm starting to just, ah, what can I do? Can I, and I'm, so I'm standing up by the counter, just wanting to put some godly pressure. <laughs> or maybe it was ungodly. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm realizing, and all of a sudden it was like, Todd, what are you doing? Because I'm walking with God. And I'm, talk, I'm talking to him the whole time. God, help, help, help. So finally, I stop saying, God, come on. And I hear the Lord say, you come on. I'm like, okay, what? You know, and it's like, what do you, how do you think she's doing? I don't know. And what, what about the kid back then? I looked at him, and I noticed he just looked like he was a shadow, like the no life. And I noticed the woman, you know, she had tattoos and she was, but she just looked like, you know, just on edge. And so I just started, I just like, hey, how, how are you doing? Because we're waiting for the computer to come online. Oh, okay, okay, you know, it's, uh, it's stressful. And so I start just listening to her. I get, what's your son's name? She starts telling me the name, start hearing this story. And as she shares, the Lord just gives me a, a love for her. And it wasn't complicated, but I just said, can I just pray for you? And somebody came in, and then they left, and she's like, and then she kept going. I said, no, no, can I pray for you? She's like, oh, okay, fine. And she just stood there, and I started praying, and I, I said, is it okay if I walk around? I'm like, I'm feeling the love of the Father for her. I'm like, this is not super, but I'm an Abilene, so you could probably do this. And I just walked around and put my hand on her shoulder, started praying. I looked over at his son. I started blessing him, praying for him. And all of a sudden, I just felt the love of God come. And it was just walking with Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, he walks with you and through you. And I put, this morning, that all came back. The whole story came back because she wrote a note to me. She searched my name somehow. I think I wrote my name down. She's like, what's your, or she had, she just said, She's left a message like on Facebook Messenger. I still get messages, by the way. But she sent this message, and I somehow copied and pasted it, never have shared it publicly, but I think I sent a copy of it that it's just, um, I just wanted to read through this. She said, 
She thought I was a pastor. She said, hello, pastor. We met in Abilene and had quite a memorable experience. Just want to thank God for sending you to find me like a one-man army. I've not been the same since that day I met you, and God has truly transformed my heart and soul. I'll keep it short, but need you to understand the impact you made in my life, or impact. I told you about Jack's dad dying suddenly, and how darkness filled my heart. I was so angry with God for allowing everything that happened in my life. I had a brutal childhood, and now my best friend was snuffed out like a candle, leaving me traumatized. I know that God sent you because that same morning, I cried silently in my bathroom all alone. I looked up at the ceiling and whispered, I'm done. And you know I'm done. I was going to take my life. I'm so thankful for you being so genuine and deeply connected to God because I wouldn't be here today. I call you my one-man army because I was lost, so lost, and wouldn't have listened to anyone else. I'll never forget being so frazzled and you gently asking if you could pray for me. I shattered because I felt God literally save, pull me from such darkness, sorrow. I love you so much. We'll forever be grateful for you. I've been catapulted into an amazing job. No longer have the dark cloud over me. Forever grateful. So this, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So could you just stand up? I just want to pray that Jesus, you would walk with Jesus, that your heart would be free from distractions, and that you would just believe he wants to bless you and bless others through you. So if we have, yeah. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this beautiful day. It's gonna be 60 degrees today, hallelujah. I thank you for life. I thank you for everyone in this room. And Lord, I believe you reminded me of this story just for this morning. I hadn't thought of it for six months. But I just ask, Lord, would you just hold our hands and let us just walk with you. That intimacy with Jesus is just waking up every morning saying, good morning, Jesus. Hello, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Abba Father. And I just ask a grace on everyone in this room to walk, to not to strive, not to perform, not to try to be perfect, but imperfectly walk with God, to not give up, I pray a washing off of anyone in this room that's been condemned or feel shamed from not being a better Christian, not being more holy, not being more active in your faith, sharing your faith, trusting Him. I just pray grace this morning that the cross is enough. He paid for all your weakness and all His power is available. pray a couple prayers over you. I pray that he who began a good work in you will carry it on completion till the day of Jesus Christ. He 
carry it. And I pray right now, power for him to carry on to completion the good work of faith in your life. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And I pray may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Just say that, God, you're going to do it. I give you my heart. Just say that out. I give you my heart. Soften the hard places. Take out the weeds that distract me. Deepen any shallow place in my heart. I say yes to walking with you. Thank you for all the rewards you're going to bless me with. And that I could bless others with. In Jesus' name. Thank you.